And we are live. Is it, is it all good? We're all good? We're looking good in here? All right, we're live. Episode 7 of the Justin Spaulding Show. Seventh straight week. Being consistent. You know, get some family watching live. A couple close friends watching live. Zero people watching live right now? One. We kind of messed this whole thing yeah, up. Yeah, it was screwed. We're, we're rookies in the game. We're rookies in the game and we sent out... I, I made a link... For live, and I actually scheduled it for yesterday at like 5:45 p.m. Even though I knew it was for today at noon. So, if you don't know me, first time to the show, Justin Spaulding, entrepreneur, businessman, uh, located in Wisconsin. We have 700 apartments. Uh, we have a property management company. We have a private equity company. We uh, also started a painting company last year, um, and we're trying within the first 12 months to hit a million dollars of revenue. I think we're going to be short. Um, but a, one year will be, uh, we started doing retail jobs back in May for our painting company. And um, so at the end of April, will be about one year. I think we're going to be short of a million bucks revenue. But we're going to get there pretty pretty quick anyways. So um, I'm going to get this going on live today. We're going to answer some questions. If you're joining, if you do join live, if anyone does catch this link and, and they're, they're joining us live, feel free to leave uh, questions in the chat. Um, we're going to be on Instagram live as well. So there's people, there might be people watching. I'll, I'll, I'll obviously read the questions out loud too. For those of you who are listening along in the car, whether you're listening live or if this is recorded and you're listening to us at a later date. Uh, but yeah, what, what else is going on? I know Ryder, we got Ryder in here today who's been uh, initially started with us, what? August. August. And initially started with us as a content guy. He's now doing some sales on our painting side. And then we also have Maudine in here who is uh, kind of stepping in and, and dipping his toe in the content side with us uh, part-time right now as well. So, uh, so yeah, we're kind of in the room chilling. And I know Ryder usually had some good pointers here every now and then. Ryder's got a seven unit under seven unit contract seven unit under contract right now um in in northern illinois um i hope i can share that you're finally sharing that yeah, right yeah okay i think i shared it last week anyways yeah. but um i'm gonna get this going live quick if you guys want to throw the first question up there i'm gonna get live rocking and rolling on instagram and the first question that we have hold on i'm just trying to set my camera up we just roll in here every day. We don't really make too much of a plan. Nothing's too scripted here. I mean, I was on phone call up until one minute before we got on here. So um, here we go. We're just rolling with it. First question is, would you recommend finishing up college and then real estate or don't wait? Uh, you know, the sooner that you start, the better. And this is what I was telling Ryder. We had this conversation yesterday. He's like, he's, he's like, hey, there's this other property that I could be looking at. Should I look at it? Is it too early to look at it? I said, dude, just because you have a seven unit under contract that hasn't even closed yet doesn't mean you shouldn't go look at other deals. Yeah, go look at it. Um, because what's going to happen is anytime that you buy a deal and you're doing this thing correctly, right? Anytime you do this correctly, you're always going to be like, oh, I should have started earlier. I should have done more earlier. I should have gone bigger uh, earlier. Um, so I, I would recommend... Um, if you can start during college, start during college. I, I didn't start during college, I played college football, but I spent time during college reading and learning and then going out and start to implement what I was learning, which you know was looking at deals. So I would go out, I would look at deals on site and I would get the financials and go through them. Hey, what can I do better? Which I've talked about a little bit on the show before. Um, so start as soon as possible. I know guys that have started in college. They bought a duplex, um, they bought a single family home and kind of house hacked it, you know, whatever, to get your foot in the door at, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. 
uh, would be pretty impressive. Um, actually, one of my, I haven't really shared this third, but one of my um, teammates on the football team, he was our starting center, Richard Scaife. I think he was an All-American actually as well, um, but he was a beast. And uh, he actually bought a house, and it was kind of a party house. It was at the top of a hill um, in Dubuque, Iowa, when we were going to the University of Dubuque. And um, four or five bedroom house, and you know, I don't think the other guys realized that they were living with them, that they were basically covering the mortgage and then some, and Richard, you know, he made some money, and then when he was done, he, he paid off debt those three years, they held on to it, um, lived rent-free, made some money, sold the house right away, took those earnings, rolled forward, and I know he's got a business, uh, he's got a restaurant up in the Madison, Wisconsin area now that I've heard, I have not been to yet, but I've heard he's crushing it, so, and that whole thing, you know, got started because he got started in real estate in college, so, and, and while he was playing football, uh, mind you, so, um, don't think just because you're in college, don't think, oh, I'm too busy. Like, you're not too busy. You're too busy partying if you think you're too busy to, to get started on something that you really want to do. Um, so, so I would recommend getting started as fast as possible. Um, it's not for everybody in college, but you can definitely do this thing in college. So it's a personal, it's a personal thing, right? Wadeen, next question. I'm a 20-year-old looking to get into real estate. What are some tips you could give? You got to get out and look at deals. You got to learn. If you do not know anything, the first thing you should do is cast a wide net and learn. Read books, go to seminars, uh, get in front of people who have done it before, um, get in front of people who you know are doing big things, and automatically it's going to lift you up. Um, you are who you hang around, right? Uh, Ryder, for example, I don't know if Ryder has any. Uh, Ryder might have some tips here for because he's what you're 18, right? Yeah. So Ryder's 18, he's got this seven unit under, under contract. What tips, just from you and your first experience, right? You, so if you think back over the last year, right? You were in high school a year ago, right? And like what steps over the last year, and even for you, because your, your story's pretty cool with what you were doing to make some money through high school, what steps did you kind of take to get to the position where, you know, you're gonna close on your first property here at, at 18, that's seven units? Find someone who's doing what you want to do and go work for them. So what did you do? So what's your story there? I was gonna become a real. I was gonna get my real estate license, and then I saw Justin posted. I DM'd him, came in, got the job, and been learning while working. So it's a win-win. So I posted that we were looking for a content creator. Ryder reached out and said, "Hey man, I'll work." He basically said, "I'll work for whatever. I don't care what I get paid." And he came here, and so every day he's around this crew here who we're doing. We're doing decent sized deals, right? And so he's seeing it and hearing it and every single day, you know, hearing what I'm having to say and getting my opinions on things. And because he's working hard here for our company, I have no problem like helping him out here and there for, you know, five minutes when he asks me a question about, you know, this and that and helping him out 10 minutes here. You know, last night, I think you asked a couple questions after, you know, yeah. at the office till 5.30 or 6 o'clock, whatever. Um, so got to get around people like other tips. At 20 years old, because I can remember, at 20 years old, people are going to tell you that you can't do something, and actually this is going to be any age. People are going to tell you that you can't do something, and you cannot listen to that. Get that junk out of your uh, mind as soon as possible. Who cares what 99% of the world uh, says about your goals, your dreams, um, no matter what your age is, whether, whether you're 18, 20, 30, 50, 80, um, get that junk out of your ear, and if you you know, whatever you want to go out and do, you can do it if you set your mind to it. Um, and the cool thing is, it doesn't even matter what your background is. Because there's been people who have come from super successful families who have failed. 
there have been, in a, in a complete inverse or reverse order, you know, whatever, whatever word I'd be using there, inverse or reverse, um, there's also people who have had, in, who their family, they grew up and their family had absolutely nothing and were homeless who have then gone on to succeed, right? So it doesn't matter your background. It's been done before. Uh, and so if it's been done before, there's obviously a path that you can somewhat copy. Um, you just have to be able to, you just have to be able to find that path. Uh, and, and, and get yourself around the people, around um, the things that you need to fill your mind with to be able to take that next step. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to give a little bit different answers than the same old regular answer that I'm always given. I mean, it's like if someone asks me this all the time, my regular answer, which if you listen to the show, I think I've talked about it in episode like two and three, and here we are talking about it in seven, and actually it's a probably a good thing that I'm just saying something over and over again so that it sticks in your guys' head. But really, if you're 20, like when I look back when I was 20, there's, there's really five steps, right? You got to learn. That's number one. Then you got um, you to you learn. You got to find a way to make money. You got to save that money. You got to go out and find deals. And then you got to pull the trigger on those deals if you're looking at getting started in real estate. So learn, which that's your books, your seminars, getting around other people, right, who have done it before. Find a way to make money because you're going to need some type of capital, right? Can you do, do deals with no money down? Absolutely. Is that how everyone can get started? Um, no, not everyone can get started that way. Um, and anyways, when you're later down the road, like you're going to have to have putting money into deals. Like if you're, if you're going to do a $100 million deal at some point, you're going to need $30 million of equity. Odds are you'll have to come up with, personally, you have to come up with anywhere from 1% to 10% of that. So you've got to find a way to make money at some point along the way. You might as well start now, right? So learn, find a way to make money. As you're making more money, do not spend more money on stupid stuff like cars and shoes and shirts. Save the money with a mindset of, I'm going to invest this money. Then number four, go out and look at deals. You got to look at, sometimes you got to look, sometimes I go out, I'll look at three deals and I can buy two of them. But then odds are the next one that I buy, I'll end up having to look at another 100 or 150 before I can buy another one. Sometimes I got to go look up at 60 to be able to find one to buy. Sometimes I got to go look at 100 or 150 to find the one or two that I can buy. So just remember when you're number four, step number four, when you're looking at deals, it's going to take time. Don't think it's like every single deal. It, it should be hard. It's meant to be hard, right? To have success in sports or a business, it's supposed to be hard. Same thing in real estate, right? If you're going to have success, don't think that every single deal you go and look at is going to be the one, right? Don't get discouraged if it takes you two years, right? I started learning about real estate. I didn't buy my first deal until four or five years after learning, right? So don't think you have to do it right away. Number five, uh, then pull the trigger on the deals that do make sense. Too many people then will fall into, so now pushing against my own argument number four, where I said go out and look at 100 deals and find the right one. Also, don't then find the right one and find an excuse to wiggle out of it and say, oh, it's not right. Right? Pull the trigger on it when you find a deal that makes sense. So that's, that's, that's some of my core advice that I always give, and I can repeat it. I'll, it'll probably come up one out of every two or three shows on here with the questions that are asked, but it's good that you hear it all the time because this thing's not rocket science. Like I live by maybe like five to ten things in my life, principles or whatever, and it's just like you just you, you, you do it day in and day out and be consistent with the same thing. I'm not someone that bounces around. Like That's why the things that I advise you to do, they're, relative, they're almost always the same things. Because that's what I've done over the last 10 years is the same things over and over and over because then it, with that success or with that um, repetitiveness and consistency, it starts to snowball, right? When you're taking some advice from someone 
for six months, you're like, oh, this isn't working. Dude, how do you know in the seventh month it wouldn't start working because of what you were doing? And then you change it, and then you change who you're taking advice from, you change like the way you're going about things. You gotta be consistent. You can't just be like zigzag. You gotta be just consistent, steady, Eddie, putting in time and putting in the work and not bouncing around. Um, so, next question. Do you guys have any? You guys can chime in. Mardine, man, you can chime in. Ryder, you can chime in on that last question. If there's anything you just need to chime in on. Okay. We have anyone live right now? Five. Five. Hey, they found the right link. All right. I think I'm just going to say, hey, that'd probably be like 20 this week if we actually did the links right. I think I have the wrong link posted like four different places online. Uh, we're not perfect. That's our, that's a great example right there. Like this thing is, it's never perfect every single day. And I'm just like, whatever. It just rolls off my shoulder, right? Like this whole link situation and us getting a, a, we can't even get the right time and link. I can't even get the right time and link sent out for a live YouTube podcast that we're doing, right? But it's like, nothing's gonna be perfect. So you just roll with it anyways. It's not like, oh, you didn't put the right link out. Let's cancel the show and do it next week. No, you just freaking fix the link. Just throw it out there and you just start going. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. All right. What are your thoughts? So here's a question for those of you listening who can't see the screen right now. Uh, what are your thoughts? So basically, what are your thoughts on Art of the Deal? Is it a good real estate book to read? Um, so Art of the Deal, for those of you who don't know, is a book that I always recommend. It's written by Donald Trump. I don't care what your opinion is. He was, uh, you know, he was obliterated by the media. Um, the one thing that I absolutely love about Donald Trump is he has always said the same exact stuff over and over and over and over and over again. And I know that because I started reading his stuff in 2008, before half the population of the country absolutely hated him. And I was reading stuff that he wrote in the late 70s, early 80s, and he was saying the same exact things then as he does today. Find another politician that, that's like that. You can't. So... Um, just getting into the art of the deal written by Donald, Donald Trump, the question, getting back to the question, is it a good real estate book to read? Absolutely. Um, I use that book. It shows you that you can be very creative when structuring your deals. So when I read, when I first started learning, um, one of the first books that I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which gave me great concepts and understanding of cash flow and money. Um, and, and, and personal finances and how I can get money working for me, et cetera, et cetera. One of the very next books I read was Donald Trump, Art of the Deal. And in there, it just went through how he structured all his deals, how he went about it, how he negotiated them. And that's what also gave me the mindset of, oh my God, that like you can be super creative when you're doing this. It doesn't, you, you know, it doesn't have to be. It's like when we're doing a lot of our big deals, they're done very creatively with how we do them. And a lot of that stuff actually stemmed from Rich Dad Poor Dad. It stemmed from The Art of the Deal. It stemmed from other books that people like to hate on because they think that people are just making this thing up. No, it's real. Like You can go out and do the things that are in that book. You can go out and do the things that are in Rich Dad Poor Dad. You can go out and do the things that are in The Richest Man, uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. is another great book about money and all that stuff. You can go out and do those things. It's just some people are going to hate on them because they'll read the book like, oh, this isn't, this is, this is fake or, you know, and then they'll start to do the things that were in the book and take the advice for two months or three months. Like, no, you have to take that advice and use it for 10 months, for 24 months, for 35 months. Why are you guys looking at each other? Are we still alive? I don't know. Yeah, we're good. Uh, and you have to do it over time and keep implementing it uh, before, before it's going to work. 
so absolutely that book is uh it's one of my favorite books i i still will go back and read uh, uh rich dad poor dad and trump are the deal every 18 months or so because the first time i read those books i like rich dad poor dad i didn't really understand everything and 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 so but then as i started to progress and read other books and i would go back to that book i'd be like oh and more clicked and then i started to and the same thing with art of the deal and then so so much of it the first time i read it went way over my head but then i started to buy my own deals and as i started to do my own deals and have the experience going along with the learning now i would grasp more of the concepts every time out of the book i'm like oh this relates to that because now i have an actual story of how this actually like worked out and happened in my actual um in my actual deals in real life so as you as you grow learn get experience and start to do these things some of the content whether books or seminars whatever that 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 you started with don't think you become automatically too good you should revisit some of those things because you're gonna you're gonna suck more out more of it's gonna make more of an impact on you you're gonna grasp more of the concepts that are in there the subtle com the subtle concepts like when I'll go back and read the book now, it's such it's gotten down to so fine where it'll be like four words of a book now make a difference because I've gotten a much more advanced. Where when I read something, I'm like 99.9% of it's just it doesn't I, I don't need to take the advice because I'm already doing it. I'm like I could write the book. But there's always that 0.01% that I can still learn and take from the book. So as you grow, you should still dive back into some of those books because there's still great things in there. Right. So absolutely, if you're getting started or someone that's already started, those books like Rich Dad Poor Dad, specifically this question asked about Donald Trump's book, The Art of the Deal. Yes, it's a fantastic book and everyone should read it. And you should remove your opinion that, of what you hear about Donald Trump in the media um, and just read the book if, if you're wanting to be successful in real estate and business. Because it's going to give you, it's going to show you that it's a blank, oh, this isn't blank, but it's going to show you that it's a blank canvas it's like a white wall and you're the artist. That's all deal making is. That's what real estate is. You're the artist, right? And so you can create, create and do deals however you need to structure them to have success, to get, to, to get it done based on where you're at now. You can have just $100,000 to your name and go out and do a $40 million deal, believe it or not. You can. It'll be hard if that's your first deal, but you can do it based on how you structure it. Do I recommend necessarily starting that way? No, because it might... You know, I, I would recommend starting earlier so you can learn concepts along the way, but you can. All right, next question. What are you guys playing with over there? No, he's trying to We set good? Up yeah. Huh? I think he's trying to set up his uh, oh, okay. house, but it's not plugged in. <laughs> no, I just said no if something was wrong or what? No, it's actually running way better than that computer was. So. Yeah, nice. We got we got some new equipment in here. It's Maudine's computer. Damn, that thing's like thick. Is that like that's like a super like super computer? You're digging for Bitcoin and Doji, aren't you? Doge, Doge, Doji, Doge. People are like, you invest in that Doge yet? I'm like, no. I made ten dollars yesterday. Ten dollars, nice, nice, nice. Nope, I'm staying focused on what I'm focused on. All right, next question for those of you who can't see it are listening. What is Daniel Kaiser talking about? The bell hit me up. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. Daniel, if you're still watching live, rephrase your question or whatever. I'm not sure what that means or if you're just being funny or if I said something that made you say that, maybe it's over my head. Uh, all right, next question is, should someone who wants to make real estate their full-time career go to college? I mean, it's a personal thing, right? 
you don't have to go to college to be successful in real estate. If you're going to college expecting that college is going to teach you how to do real estate, you will not be successful. You will not get out of college what you need to get out of college. If you go to college to network and connect with other people and all those people that are there so that when later on they go on and have money and have successes, you know, whatever, working for big companies or becoming CEOs of other companies, whatever, and maybe they can invest with you and everything. So it's all about the network. In my opinion, the best thing to get out of college is the network and the people that you meet. For me, I mean, it was the people that I met, it was, you know, learning how to lead people playing college football. The things that I'm doing in real estate were nothing, nothing was taught, nothing that I learned in school made me successful in real estate. Zero, absolutely zero, nothing. Not accounting, not marketing, not any business class helped me do what I'm doing today in real estate, period. And anyone can argue with me that, you know, no one's gonna change my mind on that. I went through it, I know. I taught myself through college because of the books that I would pick up and then go out and look at deals, right? So don't think you have to go to college um, to be successful in real estate. You can start in real estate straight out. I mean, Ryder's another, just bring up Ryder again. Um, skipping college, not going to college, coming to work here, and then going and having a seven unit under contract right now, which, when's it set to close? 25th. The 25th of this month? Yep. It's a fast close. That's right. I forgot about that. Your inspection's coming up still, right? Yeah, yeah reset we So, uh, he's a great example. He's going to be in seven units. He's going to have seven units closed, hopefully by the end of this month. February 25th. Yeah. yeah. Um, no college. And you, so stop thinking you have to go to college to be successful in real estate. And honestly, like, stop thinking you have to go to college to be successful in anything. Ultimately, I swear to God, I think where, where the company, where, where the world is going to go is even people that are like attorneys and veterinarians and doctors and dentists, they're going to be able to learn from the people actually doing it and skip this college nonsense BS that costs $100,000, $300,000, $600,000. Ryder's saving, what are you, Ryder, you're saving like $40,000 a year. Yeah, I'm not in. You're, you're making you're making somewhere between thirty and fifty right now as a sales rep. You got unlimited earning potential here, and you're gonna make an investment. So that swing in forty thousand dollars a year to go to school, that's one hundred twenty thousand dollars of debt that you'd have through college. You're not gonna have. Plus, you're already gonna have money working for you, investments working for you, and you're gonna have an income stream coming in. So you you instead of going to college to learn, you're learning from me while helping me and my company grow. And I think that that opportunity for people is going to be available more and more. And obviously there's certain licensing things still with veterinarians and attorneys and passing the bar and, you know, all this stuff. I get it, but that's going to be broken one day. And people are just going to be able to go and learn from the best. Uh, and while they're learning from the best, they're going to be able to give back and add value to the best, uh, those best people who are practicing at a high level, um, give back to their practice via work. Right? They're going to put in the time. They're going to put in the work. I truly, truly, truly believe that. Um, it's just insane with how much debt people are getting in. can't believe it. All right. He was saying um, he has notifications on for you, so the bell hit him up. And oh. told him you were live, so the link didn't matter. Gotcha. So that means anyone else that had that set up last night. Yeah. So with, with, my, with my, the link that I sent out last night, people... Probably got a ding at 5.45 last night. Well, no, no, no. They get it when you go live. Mm. 
So if you post a video or anything, he gets a notification to his phone. So anyone watching on uh, YouTube right now, subs please subscribe to the channel. Daniel, thank you so much for, I'm gonna just give you a shout out. Daniel Kaiser, um, who's watching live on YouTube, just left a comment, said he's got my notifications on on YouTube. So when I go live, he gets a ding, he joins in, loves the show. So please subscribe, be like Daniel, subscribe, and then turn the notifications on, turn the ring on, the bell on, so the bell hits you up when we go live. Um, Daniel probably even has it set up. Daniel's so cool that he probably even has it set up so that whenever I post a video, it probably dings him. Yeah, it, it's the same. So yeah. any, any YouTube. It's awesome. A lot of fans. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it, man. How many people we have live right now? Six. Yes. We Just have eight. It. We got 10 over here on Instagram. There we go, 18. We should have, I need to get, the, for next week, I need to get uh, the my iPhone in here that I've been using, and we have to, We should get Clubhouse set up. Have you experienced yeah, Clubhouse? Yeah, I downloaded it because of Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I told you about that three weeks ago, and you're like, what's Clubhouse? Remember? Yeah, yeah. I was actually, I had a rider on something. <laughs> yeah, you were. So I, I think we should try to do that, though. Um, all right, next question is, thoughts on Airbnb when you're getting a vacation property? My whole, this whole, so this whole thing, like, the last five years, I have never wanted to invest in a property that's strictly Airbnb. Because of what happened during COVID, I know someone that they have multiple Airbnbs down in Florida. Thank God they were also invested in about 500 multifamily apartments. Because when COVID happened, you know what kept them afloat? The 500 multifamily apartments. So I'm not, I, I, you can win playing that game. You can have success playing that game. There's definitely people that are. But to me, it's like, it there's a lot more risk there so if you can somehow hedge that risk to be able to you know make it if there's some way that you can deleverage the risk so you have less risk on those airbnb properties fine but that's what i always worry about okay you have airbnb well what if the economy crashes like people are still going to need an apartment to live in that's affordable when the economy crashes now sometimes they're going to bunk up and get roommates so maybe our vacancy will go up a little bit but when the economy crashes, no one's going to Florida. I shouldn't say no one, but you know, 80% of people are going to Florida when the economy is good. Aren't going to Florida anymore. They don't need your Airbnb and your Airbnb sitting. You know, when the government shuts us down and you can't fly anywhere, you know, because of COVID, no one's going to your Airbnb, right? I mean, if we would have had Airbnbs last year, I would have been. It would have been. It was already a stressful year. Still, every day is stressful doing what we're doing. It would have been. So I, I just feel like the risk on that is 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 much greater, and it's just a game that I don't want to play at this point in time. Doesn't mean I won't ever. Doesn't mean I'm. Doesn't mean I'm right or wrong, right? You know, my, we know what I'm gonna say next, but I still yeah. believe I'm right or wrong. I'm, yeah, you, yeah, I still yeah. believe I'm right, but um, doesn't mean I'm, doesn't mean huh? <laughs> or wrong? Yeah, we're wrong. I'm not gonna be. But for me, in my personal journey, I'm just not. I'd rather go buy a 500-unit apartment building. For one of our watchers, if he's still watching, a 536-unit apartment building, if you know what I'm talking about, and uh, on Instagram, um, then have one Airbnb or five Airbnbs or 25 or 45 or 500 Airbnbs all day. Some people though, are taking their multifamily, depending where the multifamily is at. If they have 300 units, they'll actually take like 10 of those units in Airbnb. I'm, I'm a fan of that. That's, right. Yeah. That that's okay. Like if if we go buy three hundred apartments in Florida, South Florida, or something, or you know, a place that's a, a hot tourist destination, 
Um, heck, even we even thought about actually doing that at uh, Signature for a little while when this was pre-COVID, when, when there was a lot of business travel, and have two units set up as Airbnb. I thought about that. I think it would have been. Oh yeah. I think it would have been. So I, I'm a fan of that, but just strictly like buying a house to Airbnb, I'm not looking to. That's not going to build the type of wealth or you know legacy and whatever I'm trying to do for my family and future and all that stuff. So. Now for me, that doesn't mean now. Okay, now on the other side of it again right. though. Right. If if I buy a secondary place to have, which I don't know that I don't I think I'm always away from doing that. Would we rent it out part of the time? Sure. But I'm not necessarily really looking at on that to be an investment. I'm not banking on that to build serious wealth in my life. That computer is working really hard. I know. It's, I, it's, it's typical. I think it keeps looking like it's like about to explode. My computer does did the same thing when I used to like Stuff like that. We got a computer in the office here. It's about to start on fire. I no, no, it's normal. It's, it's about to combust. It's working hard is what it means. That one doesn't do that though, right? It's because it doesn't have a graphics card. Mm -hmm. We're using the graphics card for encoding, so that's why we've had a smoother. Like, can people hear that right now? No, we have a noise gate on. They shouldn't be able to. If anyone can hear the fans, let, let us know. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> I know Daniel's our one watcher online. Daniel, if you can hear the fan on Maudine's computer right now, let us know. And I know our chat's a little bit delayed, so uh, Daniel said something on Facebook. He said, what's that say? Florida. Okay. Daniel said, Florida is doing very well around me at the moment. Tons of new development from two-story units all the way to huge 50-plus. Yeah, for sure. I'm not saying Florida is an awesome market. I don't know where you're at, Daniel, in Florida. We're looking in Florida, but we're not looking for Airbnb. We're looking for the 50-plus. Well, if we go make jump to Florida, we're going to have 200-plus to 250-plus units, but... Um, yeah, I agree with you, Daniel. I'm just not looking for a Airbnb there. So next question. Hey, Ava said that they can hear, the, but that's well, true. Yeah, that, yeah, there's a noise gate yeah, on the yeah, mic yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, maybe Ava's watching, watching on video and has YouTube on. Maybe she's talking both. All right, next question. Thoughts on the mortgage forbearance time frame? Uh, more foreclosures are more foreclosures coming soon? Question mark. I mean, I so many people have. I don't even know how to really answer that. I guess I don't know. Are we talking like single family? Are we talking multifamily? Because multifamily has relatively been untouched here. Yeah, we are there some collection issues or whatever. I mean, so much stimulus money has been pumped in the system um, that I don't think I don't think in the multifamily there's been a huge. I mean, I've been talking to banks. It's like, hey, you guys having any any people that are having a hard time paying their debt or paying their loans or falling behind? And all the banks I talk to, like, no, everyone's everyone's fine. Everyone's good. Um, so I think, you know, the big issue is, is, you know, um, hotels, right? I think there's going to be some big issues with hotels coming out of this. And, um, I mean, hotels is a big one. Obviously there's going to be some office space too, but I, I don't know. Um, you know, I think, I think where there could be issues is if, you know, once the moratoriums are up and there's all these evictions that are going to be able to happen, um, what's going to happen with the mom and pop places that only have maybe 40 units? Um, are some of them going to have a hard time getting caught up from this whole thing? Or are the banks going to work with them or whatever? But some of the bigger, some of the bigger guys that have 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 units, I, they're big enough where I just don't think it's in the long term because of the other things um, you know, the, all the stimulus checks and all that stuff, I think they're going to be able to find a way to make it through. So multifamily, I think, is going to be fine. Um, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, it's not going to be like 2007, 2008. Uh, it's, it's, this is completely different. 
So I think the underlying economy has, has been really, really good, you know, and that's different, you know, back then people were paying insane amounts for homes and had multiple homes and, um, you know, the, the people getting those loans on the second home should have probably never even had a loan to be able to get a first home. So it's a completely different atmosphere, completely different environment than uh, back in, you know, 07, 08, 09, 2010, 11, 12. Um, but as far as like forbearance, I mean, more, I don't have, I don't have any forbearance on our loans anymore. We had one property that they, they, you know, gave us like two months or something like that forbearance. I'm like, oh, I'll take it because the cash flow situations and whatever. Um, and we're just going to pay it, pay more on the back end. Um, so time will tell. Next question. The question is, is now a good time to buy my second rental property? Duplexes and triplexes seem scarce at the moment. I think, um, you know, 10 years ago, yesterday, a year ago, two weeks ago, was a good time to buy your second rental property. So yes, uh, now is the best time. Um, the only better time than today was yesterday and only better time before, you know, other than yesterday was the day before that to buy your next one. Every day that goes on, I, I, I just really, really think the value of of where people are living. So, you know, as far as like duplexes and triunes, I think some of those smaller assets could be overvalued right now. Um, I think the value of big real estate, you know, so a hundred units, you know, 50 units, 88 units, 200 units, 400 units, like the single unit, pro those single big large properties, I think that they're just gonna be so, 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 so valuable going forward. I really believe that. All the money that's been pumped into the system, I mean, inflation's coming, and there's people like, ah, oh, inflation's not coming, dude. What? I mean, there's been trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars pumped into the system. What that means now is there's more money in the system. That money wants to flow somewhere, right? You have now, you now have more dollars competing for the same number of assets, right? What, what happens, what, what does that mean? All right, well now you have more, uh, if there's more dollars fighting for the same amount of assets, people are gonna be willing to pay more because they wanna get that money put to work, right? But also if there's been all this money pumped into the system, the, the value of all other goods is also gonna go up. Overnight, they pump trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars into the system. How is that not going to cause inflation? If someone can give me an answer on that, that'd be great. So yes, I think, you know, getting your deal, getting your deals rocking on. Now what I told, and this is a conversation I had with Ryder, right? At some point in time, there will be, whether it's another three months, whether it only lasts three months or six months or nine months or a year or two years or three years, there's going to be a, come a time where it's going to be, it's going to be a rougher time. And so you have to be able to have a plan or cash on hand to, or, or just plan on taking less distributions from those properties to make it through that time and make it out the other end. And then you're going to be good. So you got to be able to plan for that. That's the one thing I'd look out for. So if you're looking to buy your second one, what happens if the market gets hit? What happens if we have an economic issue within the next two years? How do you make it through to hang on to the properties that you currently have so you're not forced to sell 
at a time that's not best to sell. That's the only way you lose. If you have a plan, if you can, if you can, you know, if you're buying a deal and it's cash flowing twelve percent, what happens if that goes to zero? Can you personally still live? Because you might have to. You, your vacancy might go up, or the rents might come down for a little while, or whatever. How can you make it through that storm? Do you have other sources of income where you don't necessarily need that distribution, right? Or just not need it right then, that moment? It can pay you back later. It can pay you later. Um, have a plan for that. Have a plan so that you can still take care of the asset during those bad times. Still pay the debt during those bad times. Still pay the uh, the, the utilities and real estate taxes during those bad times. Have that plan. Are those bad times coming anytime soon? I personally do not think so. Once again, I could be wrong. I have a plan so that if it does happen, I already know what's going to happen. We're going to cut back our distributions. We're going to still take care of the asset. We're going to get through that time. And once we're out the other side of the window, once again, the value of real estate is going to go up. So if you play with a 30-year mindset versus a 18-month mindset, in my mind, you're going to win every single time. Because if you look at any 10-year window, 30-year window, 40-year window, like it, there's always a time that it has potentially flattened out or gone down. But it always ends up going back up. I, remember, I shared this one time a couple episodes ago. My grandpa, I think we were driving down Black River Falls, Wisconsin, and he said, I used to rent that apartment right there back in the, I don't know if it was like the late 40s or mid 50s, something like that. And his rent was like 70, 50, 55 or $75 a month. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, Jesus, like rents are 10x, you know, 15x, 30x what they were back then. Like, what does that tell you? As long as you don't have to sell when it's not best to sell, does that make sense, right? I said that right, right? As long as you don't have to sell when it is not best to sell, you're going to make it. Just find a way to make it through. So always have that plan when times are good, how are you going to make it through if you're holding on to the asset and times are bad. I was going to hop in. I was going to say, say um, have you looked into like beachfront properties? Not necessarily where high risk hurricanes get to come, but like any, any beachfront property, because I'm reading a book right now. Um, and it said like, those are always going to go up over time because you can't build more beaches and, and the appreciation on those are just through the roof from what I've read. Well, I mean, I don't, I've, I remember, so in 2010 to 2012, I remember in Amelia Island down in Florida, Fernandina Beach, uh, I remember we looked at some oceanfront stuff, mm -hmm. and it was between, there was, there was deals then on the ocean that were like between, it was like 675, 675,000 to like 900,000, and today those properties are like 2 to 3x mm -hmm. what they were back then, the same exact property, nothing like new on it, they didn't improve the asset at all, it's just... So I mean, there's there's value to that, but at the same time, like I don't I don't know. The cash flow isn't as strong, but, right? So you're gonna pay but more. The appreciation, yeah, will pay you in the long run. I think here's the thing: if you all, you also though, if you overpay there, you better have a really good plan. It's gonna swing more. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So anytime, anytime something can appreciate really really fast, it also likely just based on the area. It also, and not just the underlying fundamentals and where you're doing the property, it also can swing the other way, even just as drastic, right? So I love investing in the Midwest because when we see, so like versus like the coasts, right? When the economy is really good, the coasts of the country are just, they're crushing it, 
right? And, and, and the, the Midwest, Midwest is crushing it too, but not to the extent that the coasts are crushing it. There are a couple of steps below the level of crushing it that the, that the coasts are. But then the opposite still is true. So like when there's a recession or depression, the coasts get, are going to get hit the hardest, while the Midwest will still be doing a little bit better. There, it's not as big of a swing here as it is on the coast typically and in certain other areas. So your swings, you're more like riding this wave. If you can see me on Instagram, you're more like riding this wave, right? And I'm just, if you're just listening, I'm doing like little <laughs> waves, little waves with my, but now if you're on the coast, you got like hurricane size waves, right? You're gonna wait, you're gonna, you're gonna be really high when things are really good. And then you're gonna be really low when things are really bad. It's gonna swing a lot more, a lot more drastically. Which then if it swings low and you can buy in those areas at those times and ride it back up, right? But then again, ultimately, while it's wavy, <laughs> the underlying the underlying value over time will still always go up, right? So it's like wavy as it trends up. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. So so once again, even if you're buying at the top on the coast, if your mindset is I'm gonna hang on to this for thirty years, and you can weather the storms of being a very severe like downturn, you're gonna still make it. You have to hold on longer. Daniel's got a question for you. Daniel says, uh, what is the safest route to start? With 20K, I resell eBay, DoorDash, da, da, da. I feel like fear is halting my action. I understand value in the land. Um, the safest route to start. So, so I guess the safest route is just because you have 20K, don't think you have to put it to work tomorrow. 20K is really not that much money. Like save to 100K, you'll have more options. Save to 250K, you have more options, right? So the safest way to start is the, the bigger, that bigger is better. I mean, if, so the safe, if you want to be safer, if you can find a way to get into 100 units that are all at one location versus just getting into one single family home, the 100 units, and I argue a single family guy all the time, but like the, the 100 units at one location is by far a safer investment than having less units. So I guess that's one thing, right? Um, the other safest route to start is, you know, if you're doing these side hustles, grow one of those side hustles so that you have a successful business there, or side hustle, whatever, so that you have other cash coming in from that, streaming from that, and you're not just living on the one, the one first investment that you have. So you have multiple streams of income, right? So if you're looking, if you're looking for safety, those are two, those are two things right there. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Ryder and Wadi. how much you picking up? Buy high, sell low. <laughs> buy high, sell low. Well, yeah, yeah buy, buy high, sell low, but also the way real estate's done. No, no, no this is a good. What? Buy high, sell low. Oh, buy high, sell low. Oh, no, you don't want to buy high, sell low. And you also, but here's here's the thing though, because no, you bring up a good point. I know you're joking around right there. You fooled me. Uh, but this isn't just a. I disagree with people that it's just all about buying low and selling high. It's it's more than that. Like you should be able to buy if you're doing it correctly. You should be able to buy in just about all phases of the market if you're doing it right. Because once again, if you're playing the long game, and if you have a plan to make it through, you can still you can still invest at or near the top. And then most deals still come out the other side okay if you're doing the game right. 
the people that just try to time the market. A great example of this, the people that say buy low, sell high, that's what it's all about. Yes, obviously we want to buy low, sell obviously, right? But here's the thing. When I bought an 88 unit in 2016, I paid like $65,000 a unit for it. People are like, dude, you paid sixty five. I had Ryder and I were talking. Everything I talk about on the show, Ryder gets to hear like way ahead of you guys. So maybe you should just come work for us for free for a little while. I'll build the company and you'll learn a little bit around here. Um where was I at, Ryder? Um uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, um uh you bought like eighty. Oh yeah, so, so when we bought that for like sixty five thousand units, certain people are like, What you paid how much for that asset? And today, like, if we list it for sale, the thing would go for 130. So now, so now, then this is the crazy thing. In 2019, we bought something for 93,000 dollars a unit, 200 unit property, 93,000 dollars a unit. People are like, you paid how much for that property? And you know how much one went for down the road? Went for 140. Are we gonna hit? Are we gonna hit 140? I don't think so. Not today. But I bet we could hit. 120, 125 with where it's at. So if you're just in the mindset of you gotta buy low, you're gonna be waiting forever, potentially. And you could potentially miss out, but if you can consistently keep buying and hold on, have the ability to hold on. Now I'm saying hold on, have the mindset of holding on for 30 years, but I get to hold one single property for more than five years. The longest I ever hold on to a property is actually our Delvin property. We've had that for, it'll be five years in November. I have not held on to anything else for more than three, three years. So I've been able to get in and get out because we, we did force appreciation. We did benefit from just the macroeconomic environment. So I sold out of those one things to make to, to, to make that money to then go rinse and repeat, buy something lower, you know, lower again or you know, something that was undervalued and add the value and rinse and repeat. So I'm not saying that you have to hold on for 30 years, but I bought all these assets knowing, hey, we could hold on for 30 years. What are you smiling about? No, nothing. Hey, Maudine's contributing to the show now. He's losing up a little bit. Um, you lose depreciation after seven years, right? Like you can well, write off depreciation. I gotta, I gotta take this call. So you're watching live. Hey, Ben. <laughs> Really? Um, I'm muted the mic for what you. What do you, you want to, what should we do? Music? Um, do you need me to get up there or? Okay, let me, let me give you a call in about 10 minutes. Okay, let me know if you're making any progress. I'll give you a call back in 10 minutes. I can head up there if I have to. So. Is Mike, and Michael's there too? Is that Mike? Yeah, do you Oh, hello? Hey, is Michael there with you too? Gotcha, okay. All right, let me, let me give you a call back in about 10 minutes. All right, bye. All right, we're back. Sometimes, I'm going to get Instagram Live going again. What? I didn't hear you. Just stop the podcast. No, I, I put music on for you. Oh, cool. All right. We're, we're back. back. I don't know where we were. I had to take a phone call. We're back. Next, Next question. question. There's seven or eight. 
This, how we, we, this is how we roll with it over here. How, is this the last, last question? Because I, I only have five minutes after the call. I gotta go. No, there's three more. All right, three more, four more. Can, Can I, I talk about networking? Um, I think Abe left this question. So networking has been. Here's one story about networking and the power of it. Right? You always number one. You should always show up, even when you feel like you don't want to show up. This one time I went to Chicago. Didn't really want to go meet the one guy that I met. Met with him because he wanted to finance some of our deals. Met with him, and you know what? He's now financed three of our deals, plus he's also led us to other investors who have written in probably like $8 million into our deals. That's the power of networking. Show up and introduce yourself, tell people what you accomplished, tell people what you want to do, and then they'll help you get there, right? Or they'll help the business get there. If you don't network, if people don't know about you, if people don't know about your company, the company that you work for, if people don't know what you're trying to do, they can't help you, right? So that's the biggest thing. And in this world, it's like it's, you, you get shamed if you talk about yourself and your accomplishments and what you want to do because you're viewed as egotistical or selfish. Dude, we all need to be a little bit more selfish. It's selfish of you to not share what you're doing. Because if you don't share what you're doing, other people can't be a part of it, and it will positively impact them as well. So you need to be more selfish in order to be unselfish. So if you're like, oh, the stuff you post, I mean, just recently, one example in particular, like, there was a seller of a property very upset with me. But he didn't get it. And that's fine. I don't, whatever. He didn't get it. But I have to do the things I have to do to get attention I would. I probably would not be on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, if it weren't for the business here. If it weren't for me trying to grow, I. I just. I don't really consume anything there. I put my story out. I put what we're doing out for the sole fact that I know I can get other people who can help me will positively impact our company, and in return for our company having the success, they're also going to get rewarded. I.e., our investors. Right. If our investors don't know about us, they can't invest a hundred thousand dollars to then get two hundred. Two hundred fifty or three hundred thousand dollars back over three to ten years, somewhere in there. So I got to be selfish to get attention and network, in order for it to ultimately be unselfish. I need to be I need to be selfish and get money so that at some point when I don't know why I'm attracting wealth yet, but at some point someone's going to need something and I'm going to really want to help the cause. So because I was selfish and was worried about my personal finances for 10 years, I'm able then to be unselfish because I can share it with who I want to share it with, right? By being selfish and worrying about your own company, you're also being unselfish because you're able to employ people and pay them 30, 50, 70, 100, $200,000 a year because you're selfish growing your business Selfish, right? Like the world wants to say you're selfish. By being selfish, you're actually helping a lot of other people and you're being very unselfish. That's my little bit about networking. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Not, I don't think it's the normal answer you're going to get from people, but that's show up. Always show up. Tell people what you have done tell, and, and tell them your track record. Tell them what, you, what you're doing, the company that you own is doing, the company or the company that you work for is doing, whatever. Right? You don't have to have your own business for networking to be important. You can get other opportunities. You can help that company you're currently at grow if you love it all through networking. You can better yourself and you can better other people. But you got to show up. Even when you don't want to show up, then you got to tell people your track record and what you've done. 
And honestly, you got to listen to them, too, and what they've done and what they want to do, because them, if there might be some synergies there based on what they want to do. Now you link up, now you got a partnership that benefits everybody. So stop listening to most of the world and saying, dude, stop, you know, be more humble, you know, and stop being selfish. No, be more selfish, because ultimately, the more successful you are, the more you can focus on yourself, the more successful you are, the more successful you are in your role, uh, the more selfish you can be from that standpoint, the more success it's ultimately going to bring everyone else that's around you and other people that you are linked to through your network. What do you think of that answer? Good. Makes sense. That's all you got? Is good? I like it. I thought you were going to go. Huh? I thought you were going to go. I do. One more. Throw one more up there. This is the last one. And then i got to make a phone call. we got to roll out. What did you find the most challenging when scaling the business? Um, I think Gabe actually asked this one as well. I mean, it's, it's the people. people. The people is the hardest part. For, for forever, we struggle finding the right people. We're now, we're just now getting in the groove of like finding the right people and having pieces that really feel like fits and it feels like uh, 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 more like a family, like on a mission to do the to do what we're kind of here to do. Um, so for sure, the most challenging when scaling the business hasn't been finding the investors. It hasn't been finding the deals as hard as that can be. Um, but um, the, the hard part has been finding the right people to surround ourselves with, to find the right people that will work here for our company, uh, finding the right people who are who they say they are, finding the right people who have the same core values, finding the people who are honorable, finding the people who want to work hard, finding the people who want to grow in the craft that they're doing here. That's been the hardest part for sure. So that being said, I got to rock out. Thank you guys so much um, for joining Justin Spaulding Show Episode 7. If you have not yet done so, please, please, please subscribe on YouTube. Trying to be more YouTube content. We're going to be coming out with a we're going to come out with a 31-day challenge on YouTube, the middle of February. And I don't know exactly what that means yet, but it's going to be awesome. So please, <laughs> I, I'm going to be genuine. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but it's going to start like mid-February. 31 straight day challenge. Like the month of March. And you've you got to be subscribed to, to, to be involved. Month of March? Yeah. So then you can do like an entire month. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll start whenever I feel like starting. I don't need to. This is like a new resolution. I don't need to start March 1 or January 1. Like, if I just decide this is going to start tomorrow, I might just start tomorrow. I don't know. Somewhat in February, we're probably going to start. The 31, the 31 day challenge. Go subscribe. See what that thing's all about. Subscribe to YouTube. Follow us. Put the bell on so you're notified when we're going live. So you're notified when we put new videos out there. And we will talk to you guys soon. Have a great week.